As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to this week's The Race IndyCar podcast live from Indianapolis. On this week's show, we'll be breaking down all of the action from practice and qualifying and speaking to the pole sitter, Scott Dixon himself, later in the show. But first, I've got my right-hand man, JL Hildebrand, here with me. We're in this weird kind of soundproof, I um, uh, don't know how we really describe it. It's not the nicest room in the world, but it's going to keep the sound in. So that's what we want. JL, how are you feeling? I'm good. Yeah, I'm feeling uh, feeling like I'm I'm in, in the Indianapolis Motor Speedway's little insane asylum in this podcast booth. But <laughs> it's a bit one flew over the cuckoo's <laughs> nest, isn't it? But uh, yeah, Johnny's going to come flying through the door. Happy anyway, to be no? here in person with you, my man. <laughs> For those on the pod that don't know this, this is the first time that Jack and I have actually seen each other in person yeah i think i'm taller than jr expected from zoom you are 100 <laughs> you're taller than i that's what i was just gonna say <laughs> that's because everyone says it and my 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 line to everyone this weekend apart from apologizing from bringing bringing the bad weather from the uk has been i should be walking around with some sort of like rectangular cardboard <laughs> cut out behind me to make it look like i'm on zoom so that people actually recognize me so that's good i have been to some races but jr and i haven't managed to hook up so we have not crossed paths yet so yeah so glad here, to be here with you here we are shooting the breeze i guess the first thing i wanted to do is kind of briefly round up what what happened in practice because we had we had a full day of running tuesday which was busy and then we lost wednesday to rain and then thursday was a bit mixed everyone trying to pack in all of the stuff that they'd missed and then obviously we're straight into fast friday where we turn the boost up and simulate what's going to happen in qualifying so jr just speaking from a driver's perspective obviously you've been by, behind the wheel of the the aj foyt car all week wheeling that so how has it felt from from your perspective in terms of trying to i guess the biggest challenge of the week has been trying to read those conditions and get ahead of the it's almost not even predicting the conditions it's getting ahead of the conditions and what they're going to do next right it's yeah it's anticipating the conditions really has been what it's about been about this week and and i gotta say for us it's made for a lot of uncertainty just compared to what our expectations were going to be or coming into the month of May. You're always prepared to lose a day to some rain or lose time at least to rain. Uh, wind is always a factor here. We've had days, I mean, I can recall some days, 2015, 2016 maybe, where you basically lost a day to wind, uh, which 
we essentially did on Fast Friday for the most part. Like very few teams, I think, accomplished much on Fast Friday. You saw a number of teams just sit the day out completely because it was so windy. Uh, we were not one of those. We were to to give a little bit of insight into what we were dealing with during the week. Came in after last year, feeling like okay, we made a lot of progress with the car in 2021. We're coming into 2022 knowing that maybe we had applied a few band-aids at the end to to really get the car where we thought, you know, okay, maybe it's not possible to get to get from 90% to 100%. So what are some of the things that we can do on, you know, on, on carb day, on whatever, right before the event to say, get us from 90 to 92, you know? And, and so we knew we had some layers that we were going to pull back we had some ideas in terms of how to get the car to work a little bit differently, work better, do more of the things that we we anticipated uh, needing to address. Actually felt like on Tuesday, by the end of the first day, we tried a, tried a number of those things. We had really prioritized getting some of the bigger ticket items out of the way. Uh, thought we had made pretty good progress. And then with the conditions changing over the course of the week, uh, ended up feeling kind of completely opposite about it, you know, at different points, like, oh man, now, now the car doesn't, we thought we had made a big gain. Now we're feeling like we're kind of on a knife edge. You roll into fast Friday. We had, we had put off our qualifying stuff. I mean, really Penske was the only ones that went out on Thursday and made a, a real point of, we're going to do our qualifying work today and not tomorrow. In hindsight, we have the benefit of kind of knowing that from the fact that they were un- completely uninterested in going out on on Fast Friday at all. Um, you saw that from a few teams that teams like ECR, they always through the week build up with a little bit of qualifying work. Um, but then you have you have Fast Friday that ends up being a total loss in terms of what we're what we're learning about where we're at really for qualifying. So. As much as you know, we say this to people all week on on my Instagram, I've got people who are from other parts of the sport, from MotoGP, from other stuff. They're like, I can't believe how much track time you guys have at Indianapolis. It felt so compact this week just because of the variability of the conditions and and obviously losing that day on Wednesday. So altogether, coming into qualifying and even the during the course of the day and qualifying within teams, having multiple cars go out at different times, completely different conditions. We're all, you know, I, I think all the drivers and, and the teams are kind of in general agreement that the track this year with the fresh sealer is way more sensitive, you know, way more, we, we probably exaggerate, but it's more sensitive by enough when the car is really at its limit to the, the sun being on it, the track temp going up, um, just a lot more uncertainty kind of overall rolling into qualifying. I think we, we saw that, frankly, in terms of the results of the day. You saw some drivers drivers and teams that we absolutely would have anticipated being in that top 12. If not, you know, I mean, you look at Elio and, and Shank being, being the first one that comes to mind as like, man, just not even, not even close, really, to being able to pull off a proper run. Um, creating opportunity for some other teams that had better draws to, to end up in the mix. Um, but at the end of the day, I think I, I think the the groups of cars and the teams that deserved to be there were there at the end. We'll get onto your well, we'll get onto your qualifying lap next because uh, I guess just for for context, obviously we're speaking 
after qualifying is done and, and Scott Dixon's recorded the you know the record pole time the the fastest four lap run we've seen that set a pole position obviously we had Ari Leindijk record a, a faster four lap average in in 96 but that was on the next day it wasn't four poles so it's the the Scott Brayton pole that um, Scott Dixon breaks but just from your perspective as a driver obviously we when we're looking at the the piece of paper and we're going up from things like maybe like 231 to, to 233 and, and stuff like that well, how does that feel behind the wheel and how, how does that sort of feel year to year different to what you used to this year did it feel much faster than, than normal yeah it's uh it's interesting that once you get to that point the it's 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 amazing from inside the cockpit and and with within your teams how little it actually requires to pick up a half a mile an hour, a full mile per hour. So, you know, qualifying is one of those things. We were, I was talking with my the guys on my stand, Tom Wirtz, uh, who was at Ganassi for a long time, been been around the paddock at in different positions in in management roles. He's on my timing stand this year at AJ Foyt Racing. Um, and I was kind of telling him, this is our first time working together and, and working together here at the Speedway. And I just told him like, Hey, I need you to, I, I actually, as stupid as this sounds, I need you to count me down on the laps when I'm out there qualifying, because, uh, when in from the driver's seat, I'm, I'm not paying attention to the lap time when it shows up on the, on the dash. I'm not paying attention to the cumulative segment time. I'm not paying attention to the lap countdown on the screen. I am like looking at turn one, making sure I'm right where I need to be on my tools ready for getting ready for the next corner. And that's all that's on my mind. Like even just to have to, to have to be counting the laps is like a little tiny bit of energy that I don't want to have to burn while I'm going through this. The, 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 with the way that we're using the weight tracker with the wind, the way, the way that it was over the course of qualifying, not unlikely that you're two speeding between fifth and sixth. There were some cars that were three speeding fourth, fifth, sixth. Um, if you have to make an adjustment, you know, suddenly it's actually like a lot to have to do on a straightaway at, at Indianapolis. You're covering a lot of ground in a hurry. So, um, you know, the, the number, you know, my, my experience with it over the course of, of, uh, of Saturday qualifying was in the morning, had a little bit of a toe. So got pulled around at two thirty two and a half or something for one lap. And, you know, you're down to two thirty one and some change for the next lap maybe the outright pace of the car at that point is a low 231. You don't notice the difference between any of those things outside of just where you're at in the RPM band. Um, so amazingly little, it makes me, it makes me wonder about Ari's, Ari's speed. Like, okay, so to run a lap at 237, would that feel that much fat? I don't know. Like I'd be interested. It'll be interesting to talk to Scott about this. Like, would that feel that much different or would that feel just like a little difference over what we're doing and you kind of wouldn't even notice? Um, it, it's, it's quite a, it's, it's bizarre to think that it wouldn't seem really fast, but, um, you know, I imagine when, when you get out there and the boost is that high, it's just what we're here to do and it's what the cars are meant to do. And so you go out and you run the lap and that's it. I guess we should, talk about the the race as well just very briefly how confident are you feeling about that because i know you've worked a lot on the the race car in practice this week but also i think it's your best qualifying position since 2017 is it or, yeah in a few yeah. years since i was at ecr um yeah i think you know we in terms of our our run at least we benefited for sure from being a little bit earlier in the line 
Um, but the, the guys did a good job and, and we ended up, we ended up benefiting from a few guys trying to better their, we were, I was really stressed as the, thank you, Scott McLaughlin line. Yeah. Scott and Alex both. (laughs) Um, we, uh, I was trying to rally the troops to go back out because I was just like, yo, we got a little, you know, a little bit in the tank here. We, uh, a couple little things that we, even without changing downforce levels, we can go out and go faster that we just didn't, didn't quite get right. I mentioned the uncertainty of the whole thing. Usually you got, you, you usually get at least one run on fast Friday that you can kind of say, okay, gearing, you know, all this stuff, like this is where we're going to be. Um, you know, we having not done more of that work earlier, just didn't quite have those, those data points. And so, um, you know, we felt, felt, uh, uh, among a few things, we felt like, all right, we don't, we don't have to take a bigger risk here. If the conditions remain in this window, we can go out and do a little better. And, and I was thinking about that mostly as a defensive strategy, not, not necessarily that I thought we had, that we deserved to be in the top 12, but more that, okay, there's a number of cars behind us that have had for them quite poor runs. Um, not unlikely that they'll end up if the weather remains okay that they'll end up leapfrogging us and we're we're kind of tumbling down the order and in the in the end the opposite happened there were some guys that bumped themselves out of being ahead of us but uh so we were kind of right on that we we knew we were right on that borderline we just thought it was gonna screw us rather than helping us to be right there but um you know for sometimes sometimes this place gives you gives you a little pat on the back so um, yeah, it was, it was interesting just going through the whole process of it. And, uh, as we look ahead to the race, we know that we've still got a little bit of work to do. Um, you know, fortunately in our experience this year, we were able to continue sort of working on the handling of the car. This, the things that we were dealing with and starting to be a bit more concerned with by the end of the day on Thursday, working on working in race trim, we we're at least able to continue working on those things through qualifying from a handling perspective, in addition to the picking the right downforce level and doing all of those things that you're doing for qualifying at the higher boost targets. Um, and so, you know, we got, we got a couple more hours on, on Monday and then carb day. And that's obviously the, the complete focus at this stage. Awesome. It was good to hear about your kind of planning for the for the race and how you got on in qualifying and, and practice. We should probably jump to to qualifying and everybody else and and take a look at Scott Dixon. I think he was um, you know pretty phenomenal on Sunday. But the 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 interesting part for for me was the kind of build up to that. And I guess most people are going to contextualize this with he's had a difficult month and he's not been happy with his with his car and there's been a lot of progress in the Ganassi camp, but I, I even factor in his start to the season and some of the, you know, that we've spoken about on the pod, the, the last couple of races about how he's had various struggles and the, the last race in particular, he was really upset with how many times they were changing the car and, and the setup of the car over the course of the weekend, whether that was practice or, or qualifying. And it just seemed like something was, was really missing in that, in that nine camp. And then we came through to, to Saturday and it still felt that way. He got out of the car after his run on Saturday and was pretty sure he wasn't going to, you know, get through to the, to the fast 12 at that point. And we uh, rock up on Sunday morning here and he, he puts in a four lap average that was better than anyone else's single lap time in the kind of pre-qualifying practice. So we've gone from a guy who wouldn't have made the fight for pole last year if we'd have had the fast nine qualifying system to you know, we've introduced this new fast 12 system to make it a bit more interesting for the fans. Um, you know, the fastest 12 go through to Sunday and then 
that 12's whittled down to a six and then the six fight for pole, which is what we had on the Sunday. But the fact that Dixon wouldn't have even made the the fight for pole is significant in itself. And then, yeah, we get to Sunday and he, he, he not only pulls this amazing four-lap run out of the bag, but it's the last run as well, you know? And I think that's always worth mentioning that all the pressure is on him at that point to go out and deliver. It's the, you know, he's the last person out. It's only, the only run he's going to get to go for the pole and his teammate, Alex Pillow, who's beaten him to the championship last year, has popped it up there and and, and took the pole. So it just felt like a, a really uh, incredible performance from him, obviously, because it's the fastest four-lap average we've seen. But JR, what do you make of that that rebound that he's had across, I keep saying the month, it's actually not the month, it's basically less than a week, isn't it now? <laughs> with, all, with all the weather that we had. All the people out here are rubbing off on you because we still all say the month of yeah. May, but yeah, you're right, yeah. over the last week. Just because the, the speak, even speaking to other drivers, and and now it feels silly to say out loud because you you obviously never should rule out Dixon or the or the nine car at any track, never mind you know uh, Indy, but it feels like he's been very under the radar and not really been you know he's not been spoken about so much. Even though we've been talking about how good the Ganassi team has been as a whole, it's never really been Scott. We've been mentioning that really. So I guess how do you interpret all that? Do you think there's been you know, a huge shift across the across the couple of weeks here from what you've seen? Well, I would say I don't know who this we is that you're talking about because over the course <laughs> of this week, um, the nine car has been at the top of the pylon as much as anybody else has. And being Apart out... Takuma Sato. Being out, that's true, I guess. <laughs> but um, over the, on, on average, like who's up there over the course of the day throughout all kinds of different conditions. And, you know, it's one of those things that we were reluctant it, within the paddock to put much weight on what are the fastest toe laps, you know, there, there's, there's a degree to, and when somebody asks you at the end of the day, like, oh, where were, where, you know, where did you stack up? And you're like, well, I don't know, I was like 18th or something. And sometimes it's, we were fourth and either way it's like, but th that's immediately countered with the phrase, but that's totally irrelevant because these are all laps that come, you know, it doesn't have anything to do with like how fast you're actually going. That being said, the, the way that the cars react now in dirty air is kind of like, well, some of those laps that have been up at the top of the board are laps that I know I can't go lay down. Like in, in any version of the, the swirl of cars and drafting and whatever that's going on. Like there is no time of day. There is no situation that I'm going 229 right now. Like our top gear is not good for going that fast. You know, we don't, that it's not even like consideration that we're going to throw up that kind of time on the board. And so when you see stuff like that from groups like the nine car over the course of the week, it's just, it, you, you know, you're probably in trouble. Like, and, and to, to add on to that, the clear degree of concern that they've had or however we want to kind of like characterize that, uh, you know, unhappiness, I would say even would be better with kind of where they're at. They don't really feel like it's super dialed. They're, they're kind of searching for it where where the the talk out of most of the rest of the Ganassi cars is and and everybody else looking at the Ganassi cars is how strong they all are. Um, you know, I, I felt like this was almost it, this was sort of the perfect storm for Scott to be able to come in and for him, you know, it, he's got Michael Cannon there he's but behind that he's got chris simmons there he's he's got some of the people that have been a part of his epic runs at the 500 i mean scott dixon if there's anybody that you can say 
shoulda, coulda, woulda won the Indy 5. I mean, there's like, Scott Dixon could, we could easily be sitting here and Scott Dixon's a four-time winner of the Indy 500. Like, within something weird happening at the end of a stint, within the last 30 laps of the race, a number of times at this point. Um, He's just always there. Those guys are always super good. And even outside of whatever is going on for him this year, a lot of the people that have been a part of those runs in the past, they're all still around, you know? And so I, I feel like this is a, a an important, and I, I, don't, I wouldn't go as far as saying, I think for sure this will be like a pivotal moment in the, the nine car season or something, but it has the, it has the potential to be a pivotal situation for them to not be happy with what the, what's going on, even just compared to their teammates, for them to do whatever they did to rally, to pull this together, to give the guy that if there's if there's anybody maybe besides Ed Carpenter who you could argue in this kind of generation of, of IndyCar racing, like can handle the car being as trimmed out as anybody else can handle it, like that can stick it with the highest aero balance, you know, stuck on the nose. It's, uh, it's that man in the nine car, it's Scott Dixon. And, uh, so, so to me, it was not a surprise that he was the one to do this. And I think by the time they were getting ready, sitting down there, watching the whole thing go down, you see the fast 12. He was one of the earlier cars to go out in the fast 12 had the most consistent fast run among all of those cars, uh, obviously ended up with the fastest run overall. It was the warmest he had when he went out at the beginning. So the track was the hottest when he went out. Um, and you and I'm, I'm just sitting there like, as soon as he stuck that run, I was like, I don't even really, maybe, maybe the carpenter cars will be up in that same neighborhood, whatever, but he, Dixon's clearly got the headroom to get a little more drag out of this thing. And, and he's just, he's going to end up on the pole. And I was, we were sitting there BSing about it. I was like, I think he's going to be on the pole by like a chunk, probably like that's that by the time they got to today, by the time they got to that fast 12 run, you could tell that they were back in their groove. And like, this is when you, you don't want those guys as a competitor. You don't want those guys to be, in that spot because they will just bury you. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Okay, so we had the nine car that came through and and got better and better and better as qualifying went along to stick this, you know, epic run at the end of the day. 
there were some teams that didn't quite have that that opportunity and some teams that you know i think certainly from from the outside appear to have definitely underperformed to their standards what do you think we've got off the top of my head penske after a after a, a huge struggle of a year last year in my opinion has clearly brought more firepower to the table but some late qualifying draws and then not really being able to execute you know, in a, in a tight situation for them to get more cars into the top nine, it's got to be a disappointment to them. Ray Hall uh, sort of in the same boat. Who else stands out to you? Yeah, I think Andretti as well. I mean, uh, a lot of Andretti's issues were kind of out of their control, I felt like. Obviously, Roman was a top qualifying rookie and did a, a fantastic job for them. He was the only Andretti car in the the top 12, which was, you know, a pretty phenomenal performance. And a, another driver who maybe went a bit under the radar or, or someone who's had the attention on him for maybe the wrong reasons. He's been getting quite close to the wall and maybe not had that usual kind of romance smile on his face that we've kind of been used to seeing on the on the TV in, in recent weeks. So that was an interesting one. And then we had obviously Marco Andretti held up by Takuma Sato who hadn't used the warm-up lane to exit the track. So Marco kind of found him on the track. Fun fact for you here, JR, you'll like this one. So there were more... Uh, sort of like infringement traffic penalties in the Indy 500 practice, which has single car qualifying than there was in the Formula One Barcelona qualifying. <laughs> <laughs> so despite the fact that there should never ever be two cars coming together anywhere near each other in Indy 500 qualifying, <laughs> there was more penalties for that than there were in the Formula One race, which was quite entertaining. But anyway, um, yeah, obviously uh, Takuma had held up Marco and then Marco, I don't think he was particularly confident about the qualifying pace of his car anyway before, the, before qualifying had started, but wasn't really able to 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 boost himself up too much um in in the kind of mid 20s there just ahead of Devlin D Francesco who did a quite good job for a, for a rookie and then Colton Herter who obviously had to change an engine before he even got to do a a proper run so one of the um you know you mentioned before JR some of those drivers you're expecting maybe to boost themselves back up it you know he he'd probably be a you know he'd be one of those kind of key guys who was on the front row last year and and someone you really expect to always be good in qualifying it's Colton Herter for god's sake so it was sad to see him not be able to to, to kind of push his way forward obviously that was a I guess a symptom of the weather really because we had the we had a handful of improvements after everyone had ran and then we had the rain and then we got back out for a little bit and then we had the 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 lightning hold but as we mentioned before we had a load of guys pulling their times and and going for it because there's no bumping so there was no one you know no one was going to fall out of the the race itself it was just going to be that you would maybe go to the back of the grid or you would you would fall down the order we mentioned Scott McLaughlin one of the Penske guys obviously pulled his time from from 15th and and dropped to to 26 which is an absolute nightmare for him um and joseph was basically had the opposite end of the look with you know he'd also <laughs> pulled his time and gone out on track and then then the well we'd seen the lightning hit while scotty was going into turn 1 which was one of the most honestly jr one of the most amazing things i've ever seen like obviously i'm a bit of a kid with wide open eyes here being at the speedway for the first time anyway but then seeing a car going you know, 238 into turn one and then a big bolt of lightning strikes just behind the grandstand. That was pretty crazy. So I enjoyed that. But uh, yeah, that hit and then Joseph's lap was, you know, waved off. So he got his old time back. So he gets to start 14th. And then Will Power got into, obviously into the, the top 12, but wasn't able to advance and, and was 11th. I just think, I think, you know, talking, talking about Penske, obviously it's a, a big story. Um, you know, how they've got on the last couple of years, probably not qualified as, as well as they would have liked to. Definitely not last year. We had, big problems obviously they were in they were in bumping with power when he hit the wall and had to lay that big lap on the line to make sure he, he even got in the race and they've obviously made huge improvements on that but the 
I guess the problem is that there's still, you know, both of Ed's cars are ahead of them and two of McLaren's cars are ahead of them. And you might argue that the third of the third McLaren would have been ahead of them as well if Montoya hadn't failed his pre-qualifying tech because as you were right for the mention before, JR, people who got a bit of an earlier draw were, you know, were were in a position to to do well and uh, JPM was certain that if he'd got the the right, you know, the draw that he should have had, which was ninth. Was that one behind you? He's supposed to go one one after you, was he? Or maybe I thought so, somewhere around there. Yeah, he must have been right behind me. Yeah, yeah. And so Pato was first because we were unaffected by him not yeah. making the line. Yeah, and Felix was fifth. So JPM obviously had to run later in the day with the the worst conditions and was not happy with the the balance changes they'd made. And I think probably a bit of that was the fact that he'd run about four laps in the the entire week before before <laughs> the qualifying. But that's very. Very JPM, isn't it? He's, I don't think he's too fussed about qualifying and, and practice, really. He's just eager to get in the race. And we've seen where he can win the race from or, or where he can score big results from. So uh, I don't think that'll bother him too much. And you mentioned Ray Hall as well. Obviously, uh, Graham was uh, 21st, but the, you know the two new guys to the team were both outside the 30. So, um, you know, a difficult one for them. And their car is just really susceptible to wind for some reason, uh, or particularly changing gusts of wind which obviously no team deals with particularly well because it's just fundamentally a bad thing for a race car but I think Ray Hall were particularly susceptible to to that and that's obviously cost them a big I think it's important to point out because you know Ray Hall might people might not always consider them you know in the the top ranked teams but obviously won the race recently and uh, almost always have good race cars when it comes to the speedway but when you're you know the I don't to a certain point, you can manipulate stats, but there's not many um, there's not many wins from from the, from as far back as they're coming um, in recent years. Anyway, you have to go a long way into the into the past. I guess Helio's in that category as well because if he's going to win, he'll have to snap a a ninety year run because he's starting twenty seventh and no one's won from twenty seventh since nineteen thirty two. Uh, Fred Frame. So if he's going to pull that uh, that drive for five off, then it's going to be a a big a big kind of record. I, I think I was quite surprised about their seeming lack of qualifying pace. I think Helio and, and Simon have different setups and maybe that's, um, you know, potentially that's a contributing factor that then they're, you know, they're not really pulling in the, the same direction as much as maybe some of the other teams because they're, they're needing different things in the car or they're going in, in different directions. I think that might be a contributing factor, but Simon did okay. You know, he won't be anywhere near where he, where he wants to be in terms of, uh, in terms of qualifying, but he's another one who, has this magic way of uh, finding his way through the field, doesn't he? So, yeah, Maya Shank add them to the group of uh, teams that probably haven't done as as well as they would have wanted to, and opened up opportunity for. You know, we had two rookies in the in the top twelve, which is pretty cool. Should talk about Jimmy Johnson. His uh, his lap yeah. was pretty entertaining. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, it's interesting with Jimmy. Well, I mean, I guess to, just to to touch on a couple of things that you mentioned really quickly. You know, I think particularly with Penske in mind. You know, they they had the speed without question to be in the hunt for being in the top 12, right? I mean, that, that I don't think was, was uh, a question mark. Um, the thing that, the thing that was interesting to me, just more in high, and so they go out, they don't get good conditions. They don't really have a way of, there were very few cars that were going, it was actually why I thought Ed Carpenter's run was among the best on Saturday because he was right in the thick of that tail end group. The conditions were really poor. He was lifting, having to lift, for the handling of the car pretty early in the run. Like if it wasn't lap one, it was throughout lap two. Managed to keep 232s together at a time of day that just nobody else was even like in the window of being able to do that, it didn't seem like. Um, so, uh, you know, it's it's what, what we say as 
other Chevy teams, whether you're Penske or you're AJ Foyt Racing, that <laughs> regardless of any other factors, you look at where the ECR cars every year and it just says, well, despite whatever whatever we think might be going on here, it can be done, right? Um, and so I think that, that that, without question, is the benchmark that Penske is still sort of like looking up to as opposed to looking evenly with in this whole thing. And, and to me, the more, a slightly more telling component of that was just seeing Will Powers pace in apples to apples conditions against all of the other cars in the top 12 today. Um, it was clear that he put together a really good run on Saturday. I expect, I just kind of anticipated his pace being more competitive with cars that were in the hunt for the first row basically today i did i we didn't we hadn't seen their raw pace in a comparative scenario because they sort of skipped fast friday until now but um that i guess i just thought was kind of an interesting aspect of the whole thing i expected a bit more from him today and i, and I imagine that penske did as well so um, I totally agree with all the, all the rest of the the comments that you made. Um, I, I guess, uh, what do you think about the format, the way that it ended up working out? Um, with so it's it, you mentioned it earlier, but Saturday basically stayed the same. If there had been bumping, you know, they would have moved the last row bumping again to Sunday. We just didn't have that because it, there was only 33 cars. Um, the biggest change was going from locking in the top nine and just having those drivers shoot out, shoot out for the pole in reverse order to locking in the top 12 and whittling down in another elimination to the top six. How did that feel to you from the outside? I invite anyone who's at the Speedway or who has been watching it to to hit us up on social media or email us or, or get in contact in any way you like and let us know what you thought of it. But to me, it looked like a, a really fun way to to spread the the Sunday day out and, and give people just a bit more action on track and uh, a bit more excitement. I mean, we're already getting, you know, record qualifying runs. And then, you know, we got it, we got it yesterday with Renus VK. And then, you know, we've seen, you know, some big, big, big four lap runs today in two different sessions. And it just, I think, also added a, a bit of jeopardy. Like, I think the the kind of Tony Kanaan story went a bit under the radar for for me with him kind of, you know, coming out of the the garage this morning and, and wondering whether he was going to be able to even get a qualifying run in. And the fact that there's a top 12 and a top six kind of, I guess, influences that a little bit in the sense of not specific to Tony, but if you have problems between them or, um, you know, before before either one, then it kind of adds a little bit of jeopardy for, for people who are watching as well. Obviously, we don't want that to happen to any, we don't want any drivers to not be able to make a qualifying run, but it, it just added a, an extra element of intrigue. And then, yeah, when we got on track, it was, it was fantastic. It was like having two, two fast nines, mm -hmm. basically. Mm -hmm. But obviously, that's, that's not how it, you know, that's not not what it's meant to achieve or that's not always what it's meant to be like. But it was great for, for anyone who was at the track. You got the, the practice session this morning where we saw Dixon lay down, lay down those massive laps and then you got two, two qualifying sessions. So I thought it was absolutely great. And I think your pre, um, you know, the podcast we did um, before um, all of this kicked off was, was bang on when you said it just added that little bit of, um, you know, maybe there's teams 13th, 14th, 15th, like we saw with, Penske making that huge gamble to go for it. You know, would they have gone from 14th and 15th if we were going for a fast nine to go for those times? I mean, because there's no bump in, maybe they maybe they would have. 
Um, but just because of the way things worked out, because the weather was coming, people had to pull their times because they weren't going to get, there wasn't going to be enough time for them to get out on right. track if they'd have stayed in the in the other lane and kept their times. So were Penske confident enough that they were going to be able to jump from somewhere like 14th or 15th to, to the fast nine? I'm not sure. But I think the other nice thing about to mention about the qualifying format is when we get a more traditional sort of Saturday, then it's going to be potentially even more exciting. Because, it's going to be mega. Yeah, yeah. because that, that kind of steps up a level, doesn't it? Potentially, you know, we, we will, you know, those questions, those teams will be asked those questions and they will have to make very difficult decisions. And yeah, hopefully in the future, you know, we'll have bumping to, to factor into that as well. That makes that decision, you know, that bit more difficult. Um, but to be fair to, to Penske, the, the cojones to, to make that decision and pull the time <laughs> pull were, their were right huge, now. weren't they? <laughs> yeah. to, to, and it didn't pay off, but man, I think uh, Scotty well, Rossi as well. I mean, it's due credit to the 29 absolutely. team as well. They were the first ones to do it. Yeah. 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 And uh, I guess they were more sort of upset with their first run, weren't they? Than I think the, the Penske guys yeah. were. Um, so maybe I'm not, I'm not mentioned that one as much because I expected it because it was just like, all right. So Alex did that interview where he gave like three one word answers after he got out of the car <laughs> and it's like, all right, so they're going again. They're really not happy. <laughs> Clearly, yeah. Whereas Penske thought, 14th, 15th, given what they've been through the past few years, maybe they'll just stay where they are and not risk it and not pull their time. So I think I keep talking about them because I was just so surprised that they'd they'd actually gone yeah. and done it. But Scotty had retweeted, I don't know if it was his friend or, or someone who'd tweeted him to say, um, you know, I'd rather have pulled the time and gone for that lap knowing that the opportunity was there yeah. than have gone home at night not having tried it and just wondering what could have happened. Um which I, I thought was a really nice and refreshing way to, yeah. to look at it, actually. And, you know, if that's your, if you've got to that level of motorsport where you've won as many championships as Scotty McLaughlin and you've won as many races as he has, you know, is he the kind of person who will go home at night having not taken a risk and and be upset that he hadn't? Yeah, 100% he's going to be that person. So I totally understand that call and think it was good. But did you enjoy the qualifying for me? I did. I think that I, I'm, I'm, I think as a fan we talked about earlier like i lucked out that the weather ended up being lousy and and whatever i picked up two spots instead of losing a uh, losing a, you know a handful but um and i think we we would have if if more people would have been going out that we would have been at risk we would we would have gotten the green line to just go back out but um the it's it's a funny dynamic that i I wish we had more insight into each of the teams like, okay, so how hard is it to convince team owner X, Y, or Z that you should be going back out? Because I've been on all kinds of different spectrums of that over the course of my career. Like, no way in hell you're going back out under no circumstances to, like, immediately get it ready to go, line back up, back in the slow lane, like, you know, let's do this. And so uh, I think that's that's kind of funny. It, it's be inter- it would be interesting to know within Penske who is who was making those decisions. The drivers, I'm sure, wanted to do it, um, but you know somebody has somebody has to make the make the call at the end of the day. You know, I've, I, I've just got this image of like maybe like ten years ago, Tim Sindrick being on the pit box and he's got this like dial-up telephone and he's on the <laughs> and he's like doing the wheel to get the numbers and he's. <laughs> calling up roger like do we do it do we pull it do we go do we not like that's, that's what i'm picturing but i do think so in a general sense i think that the saturday format for indy 500 qualifying particularly when bumping is in play is one of the best days of 
motorsport like on the planet because it just gets so intense at the end of the day. You got like half of the field is in one of those lines to go back out and it just becomes this risk reward management game that you're and and that there are there are guys like like the 27 guys even if there was bumping i'm sure they would have gotten him back in line because that's just how they're they're looking at that and and i wouldn't shock me if the two penske cars would have thought about it exactly the same way um you know the and and it's one of those things that at that point the the onus is really on the driver to like like you okay we're doing this because we think we can shoot higher than wherever we're at you've got to not have a collapse of a run, you know? So there, there is no, there, there are some situations in qualifying at Indy where you know, you're going to have another shot at it, or, you know, the conditions are going to get better later, or, or you're just in the, what we call the slow lane where you're not withdrawing your time, but kind of like, as soon as it's not where it needs to be, you can just bail. Um, these are obviously not those not those circumstances. So to your point, to have bump to have there just be a thirty fourth car suddenly changes the the risk cycle on that whole thing by quite a bit. But um, there's a part of me that wishes there was a way that you could get that same level of excitement out of this top twelve. Like I wonder a little bit instead of having so much practice, like have a short practice or devote the same amount of time that they have to the, to what they did for the fast 12 and then the fast six and have it be, everybody gets a guaranteed run and then you can roll back up in line and just go as many times as you want, you know, have like a little mini like risk reward, you know, factor there. Of course, everybody's just going to pull their time and go for pole. Like they don't care because they're locked into the fast 12. But, uh, you know, certainly the way that it works out, it sets itself up to be able to have, exactly what happened with Scott and the nine crew, which is you see you see the progression who's making, who's getting better, who's getting worse over the course of this little mini cycle that we've got going on here. And so to see some cars, you, you, you really did see the absolute best of the best. Uh, you know, I, I think the, at the end of the day, despite the uncertainty of the circumstances for getting into the top 12 in the first place, um, I think it's worth noting that in the pre, in the, in the pod that we did last, we talked about this idea that like that fourth row is a total like toss up. Like you're just going to, you're going to end up with some people that like are kind of unexpected on that row, which I think sort of proved to be the case, you know, it was a total mashup of like, you know, randos compared to who's in the top nine. <laughs> but, uh, then on on the way that it turned out, you ended up with without question, I think the fastest cars all in the top six ordered about how they, you know, they deserve to be by the by the time it's all said and done. And, um, you know, I, I'm always a fan of qualifying formats and all this kind of stuff that add these different wrinkles and, you know, it can always end up turning out sort of gimmicky somehow or whatever. Um, we know that this one resulted in like, you know, the right outcome basically. And so I think we can all be satisfied with that. I like the, I like the idea that they only get one run on the last section of qualifying because it adds that jeopardy of, yeah, they know they're not going to get the chance. Yeah. But then I think the reason I, I like that is because I just think, all right, so Dixon pulls off that, that huge run and then like a load of clouds come over and then everyone else gets in line and Dixon, who's just pulled off like, the perfect lap in those, you know, the, the conditions that yeah. everybody else had is then, you know, starting sixth because he's been, yeah, right. you he know, screwed over by the conditions. Yeah. No, that's but then point. it could, 
I guess it could work in lots of different ways, couldn't it? So it's yeah, that's an interesting one. But I, I do like the finality of the, especially when it's Scott Dixon, who's the last person to go. And it's, oh, you just, I mean, everybody else, I guess, is just kind of thinking at that point, oh, no, like. <laughs> well, I want to talk about that We're for not gonna just be a second. Because you mentioned earlier, like, <laughs> it being a scenario where, like, the pressure is building for those guys. And, and I think what, I could be wrong, but I think what actually was happening for them was all the deck was getting shuffled in their favor. And that. You know, so he he goes from being one of the first cars in the top twelve to being the last car of the top six of you know of the of the final six. That's an advantage. Just the engine's a little cooler. The everything's a little tiny bit more cooled off by being able to sit there for a little bit longer than everybody else. They they stick that big first run, but no, and then they have all their teammates go behind them. As long as they get into the top six that's an advantage for them. Then to have all of that extra data, having been the fastest car in the hardest part of the conditions for, for that whole thing. So I think if I'm Scott in that situation, like putting myself in, in his shoes, you know, which is, which is hard to do. Those are, those would be big shoes to fill, but I'm probably sitting, I, I'm, I'm imagining that his mentality is, oh, all right. Like now, finally, like finally we've got our act together from their, you know, they've looked to me from the outside, they've looked like they've had their act together this whole time, but you know, them thinking, all right, this, this is all the momentum swinging in their direction for them to be able to execute at their best level. Um, which is, uh, you know, in these kinds of situations, that's really all you're asking for as a driver, at least it's a lot of pressure on the team, I think at that point, but as a driver, you're, you're just, trying to get to the point that you're allowed to go do your thing with everything else around you, that environment around you as, as tight and kind of like perfect as it can be. So, um, I'm, I'm guessing that that was, a a, a pretty, um, I'm guessing Scott was just looking forward to rolling out on track when it came down to it there on that final run. Well, we're going to find out very, very shortly, but before we do, <laughs> I made a mental note to ask you about Jimmy Johnson's lap because I was kind of, I know it's kind of hard out to look at this. Like, obviously, we've we've seen a lot of Jimmy on on road courses, and then we've seen you know basically two ovals, and he's been he's been pretty pretty awesome, really. And then the 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 qualifying run. How how do you see this from a driver's perspective? Because I was looking at this like so instead of looking at it like he's made a mistake at turn one, which I think some people maybe probably thought that he'd he'd made some sort of error or he just got it wrong. I was kind of looking at that like, all right, so this is the, this is basically only the qualifying in the world where you have four laps and, you know, he's, he's had the, he's not panicked. He's kind of reset himself. He's adjusted the tools. He knows what's happened and he's reacted. There's no like shouting on the radio, like, what do I do now? Or or anything like that. He just kind of, he just got back on the horse and he's just had like one of the biggest moments we've seen in, uh, in terms of, I know we've had big moments where people like Will Power last year hit the wall, but, but I think there was literally like a sheet of paper between Jimmy's rear wheel and the wall. Like it was as close as it's going to get basically. And he'd kept it out with a huge save and then went on to deliver a pretty respectable full lap average given the thing. So I was really impressed by that. I, obviously, ideally he didn't make the mistake and he went through to the, the fast six, which is very possible that could have happened. But I was almost more impressed how he gathered up that that lap and stuck it all together. Yeah, at the end of the day, the 
saving situations like that, sometimes they are down to little things that you've done as a driver, you know, to have, I mean, I've, I've been in that situation through turn one and practice qual sims or, or, or maybe even in, in qualifying runs where it's like, okay, like I just, you just kind of know, like if I turn in a little too early and I've got a tailwind here, this is going to happen. You know, I'm going to be susceptible to this at least. And what happens on lap one it's usually down to something like that, 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 because in theory, you've got the most grip out of the tire at that point. So the car is the most forgiving basically at that point. So when you see a run like that, where it kind of gets turned around over the course of the run, he's flat through, through the, to the end, you know, you, not to say that it's, it's just a part of the learning process of, of running qualifying laps in different conditions at Indy. He, it hasn't, he hasn't run any laps this entire week, let alone laps in qualifying trim that have had the, had a tailwind down the front straightaway. So just every corner is a little different and the tolerances are really small. And as a lot of guys have been finding out and, and we all in IndyCar that are sort of experienced, have been coming to the 500 doing this for a number of years, you just know how little what little it takes to end up in that situation where your corner is just gone to hell. Um, you know, we're running, we're running such little downforce compared to what the car is, you know, really intended to, you know, where it's operating window is intended to be. So, um, it just, I chalk that up to another part of Jimmy's learning, learning process here. It's probably something that you, once you do it once and you realize, and you're able to immediately go back out and understand like, Oh, that was kind of on me a little bit. That's okay. There's, there's always some setup. There's always some other stuff that can, you know, you could be running more downforce that would make that a little easier. But when you can get back on the horse like that, it's a good learning process to have. And, um, I'm sure he's disappointed with being 12th when there's the other four cars all made it into the top six. But, um, I think where he's at and where, what, how he's performed and, the way that he's been able to showcase uh, a a degree of skill here, just frankly, all by itself, um, is something that's very respectable. And uh, I, you know, I I hope and imagine that that's how he sort of is taking this all in. Just before we move on to speak to L Scott and get his thoughts on qualifying, I think just worth mentioning the engine battle because it always is Indy it's always such a huge part of what's going on I think that was Honda's fourth pole in a row at Indy and I only mentioned that because we spent the whole first half of this season talking about how much of an improvement Chevy have made and how fantastic their kind of drivability upgrades and, and what a difference Ray Gosling's made to the kind of engineering side of that and the kind of connection that he provides between the drivers and the and the operation I guess here so far it's looked more like what we've seen recently in, in Indy as opposed to what we've seen from the first half of the season, we've seen a bit, seen the the Chevrolet and Honda runners a bit closer together. Obviously, we'll get new engines now and we'll get the race engines in, so there's opportunities for updates and and things changing there and and potentially the race being a little bit different. But what have you seen from from your side there? And and you know, not not just from obviously you being a driver who's powered by Chevrolet, but also just speaking to the other drivers. I guess you speak to the other Honda powered guys as well, and you kind of know what's going on. Yeah, I guess I I more so than in past than you know, last year in particular, um, although on paper, I think it looks kind of similar that you've got these two ECR cars that are up among the fastest Hondas. I personally think that the Ganassi team has just made a huge step. And so if you remove Ganassi and ECR, 
it looks pretty damn even. Um, and you'd see the same thing if you looked at the trend of trap speeds and some of the other more, you know, discrete data points uh, outside of just lap averages and, and all this kind of stuff. And some of those discrete data points are, you know, trap speed might be horsepower where speed through the corner is torque. Like there's still some differences in terms of where the performance comes from and what that amounts to in terms of uh, putting together a qualifying run. But I guess I I feel like I do, I, I still, and this is not just because I'm in a Chevy, I think just looking at the data, there's reason to believe truly that Chevrolet has closed that gap to Honda and we're just seeing a Ganassi squad that has all five of their cars. All five cars are totally tuned up and in the window and running extraordinarily well. Um, they've looked that way in traffic. They've looked that, that they've looked that way in the draft. They've looked that way on their own, and they look that way in qualifying. So, to me, I think that um, you know, at the end of the day, you saw two the two kind of current heavyweight squads in ECR and and Ganassi on the Honda side um, doing exactly what we you know what what they expect basically to be able to come out and do, which is stick cars on the front row. Well, speaking of Ganassi being so good, we'll take a quick break and we'll come back with the 2022 Indy 500 pole winner, Scott Dixon. We'll get back to the pod in a moment, but first, a word about our partner, Grammarly. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. All those emails, reports and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. And Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. I know from experience that Grammarly can help you save time on any writing task and ensure you feel confident about what you've produced. In fact, 96% of Grammarly's users report that Grammarly helps them craft more impactful writing, and their tone suggestions can help you navigate even the most difficult work conversations. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free at grammarly.com forward slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said done. So welcome back and we're sat with the fastest Indy 500 pole winner in the race's history scott dixon welcome to the podcast nice to have you on yeah thank you i guess thank you what did you do last night after you'd uh, just notched in the best uh, qualifying lap in this uh, circuit's history i guess it was a quiet night for you while you prepare for today kind of quiet um it ran on a little bit with the media stuff and then then the nine well actually the ganassi group kind of has a bit of a a treat where they try to get everybody to do uh, that cinnamon. What is that shot? It's like a fireball or something. <laughs> so there was about a group of forty of us. Don't that pretend did, like that, you don't know that, what it is. Uh, well, it's not my favorite. I try to stay away from fireball. I'll do Jaeger anytime over that. Um, so we uh, we all did a shot of uh, fireball. Um, 
Then I went home. I actually, on the way home, I went to Taco Bell. Yeah. Got, uh, got some uh, <laughs> cheesy gordita crunch with beans instead of beef. And then I uh, went home. And actually, my son was still awake. At, at I expected him to be in bed. But uh, the babysitter uh, kept him up and, and hung out with him uh, and watched V8 Supercars until he fell asleep in about 10.30. So that was it, man. That sounds like quite an evening. It was good. Yeah. It was fun. It was good for me. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all remember falling asleep watching... Uh you know, watching some motorsport as kids. So that's really cool that your, you know, your son gets... Yeah, he's that. really getting into it now as far as, you know, he's busy, so he doesn't really sit for too long. But if it's racing, he'll actually, he'll sit through it, you know? Yeah. How much can you celebrate this poll? Because I know you I know you appreciate, you know, what you've achieved and, and you, you have a great appreciation of the Speedway and its history, but also you focus in on next Sunday and, and, and keeping an eye on that. So, yeah, do you let yourself kind of celebrate this or is it is your focus already switched to, to next Sunday? Uh, I, I don't know. I'm typically one that really likes to fly under the radar anyway and that kind of doesn't do that well when you win, win the poll. So, it I don't know. Like, it's, it's for us... There's so much effort that goes into, you know, getting the car right and having the speed. You know, you're, you're literally talking years of preparation that, that adds up to this. And, and I think even more so this year with, with five cars. You know, it's the first time that Chip's ever run five cars, adding an additional one. Um, you know, definitely puts a strain on the system. You know, there's a lot of more a lot more mix between the Extreme E program to the IMSA program uh, to what we currently have here. So to try and do what he did with, you know, five in the Fast 12, four in the Fast 6, ultimately I think we would have had all five in the Fast 6, which would have been pretty impressive uh, without, you know, Jimmy's sort of hiccup there. So it's... Um, yeah, I don't know. I it, it it feels great. It's amazing. Like it's it's uh you know it's an honor to to be on a pole. Um, I guess the conversion rate for myself hasn't been very good with this, the fifth pole and and uh, with the four previous, only one's really converted. Um, but we'll keep knocking on that door. You know, that's that's the main thing. It's nice that the car has some great speed and and feel so proud of what the team has been able to do as far as just sheer speed. And so on on the nine car in particular, over the course this week, I, I can speak certainly from my perspective that Ganassi as a group has looked really strong. And that's been just kind of the the overwhelming perspective, I think, from within the paddock and, and even those outside of it. But it has seemed like listening to the little you know bits and pieces that we've heard from you over the course of the month, even even through Saturday, that you felt like on the nine in particular, maybe just relative to your standards, but that it was you were still kind of searching for something like it wasn't quite where you wanted it to be and we weren't hearing that as much from the other four cars on the squad can you talk to us a little bit about is that just because you have such an elevated standard of what you know the squad is capable of doing or did you really think that there was something that was missing up through that point uh well ultimately i think there's always something missing right you're always chasing something it's never it's never perfect so you know um i don't know maybe i do whine a little bit (laughs) um but you know i think for us you know the the race prep portion of the week i thought was was quite decent um there were definitely areas i think we could have improved as always you know i think preparation for qual everybody was a little flustered just because of the conditions on friday like we literally did one lap at speed lifted in majority of the corners and you know we probably should have dedicated a little more time so we were prepped and and honestly i think that's 
kind of what put us in a bit of a hole on on Saturday, you know. And and luckily enough, the weather came because you know I think we would have been okay anyway, just because of how after the rain and the barometer and just the speed wasn't going to be there for a lot of people. So I think we were kind of safe. So we did get into a bit of a tizzy, I think, on on Saturday and talked ourselves out of things that we should never do, you know, adding downforce and you know just stuff that we didn't need to do. And it did almost put us in a bit of a hole. You know, we were tenth. We knew the car had great speed. Um, so as always at this place, you have to be careful and, and it's never perfect, man. Yeah. And so then going into Sunday, it seemed like almost the opposite. Like it, we just saw this momentum build for you guys. It seemed like from the, I was standing down in pit lane and it was kind of one of those, one of those days watching from your first run that it was kind of like, okay, like here comes the nine, like it's there getting ready to throw down. It seems like is, you know, you, you stick the first big run in the fast 12, super consistent over four laps. I'm, I was sitting there thinking, all right, like if there's any car that's going to go faster by having to go right back out, we all know the, the heat soak and there's all this kind of stuff that factors into making another run in sort of immediate succession. You guys go out and do the cool down lap, uh, parade lap, whatever. Um, and, and, but then you're going out last you know, I think I think for people that are maybe unfamiliar with with working within these organizations in those in those situations, you kind of look at that thinking, man, the pressure is like building onto these guys. They're going to be the last ones to go out. I'm kind of sitting there like, I don't know, Scott might be just licking his chops that he's going to be the last one to go out. So let me like put me in your in your mindset and, you know, under the visor with your guys on the radio. What's kind of going on as that's happening? Yeah. So from Saturday, even if you back up that far, I was pretty pissed you know just with how our run had gone uh and what we had done um you know which put ourselves in that hole so you know uh definitely through that that night you know studied a lot of what was going on what we did wrong and and you know it was pretty plain and simple so i knew we had the speed you know even saturday morning we had the speed um you know and the biggest thing with me i think on 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 sunday was just with can i was like man be aggressive don't be scared to be aggressive like we're going to need to be uh to find the spot where we you know we we ultimately want to wind up and and you know having looked at it now i would say maybe the first run we were a little too aggressive because the fourth lap was you know actually the start of or the end of the third lap and then going into the fourth lap you know it was pretty lucky not to find the fence um mm. a couple of times had a big lift actually reached for the break in turn two no um, and so once we got through that cycle and i knew we had that fourth lap deficit that was was a pretty big deal and we were still on top i was like man we we've, we've got this you know we we can really have a shot here and uh you know luckily enough we were last we were watching all of our teammates go and I just said, make sure we're trim more than those guys. And, and that's what we did, you know. So it, it was nice to be in that situation. And and having known from, you know, the, the week of testing and, and how the sunlight really affects the track this week and, and track temp itself, um, you know, you could just see all those conditions were getting better. So I knew it was going to be actually a lot easier than my first run. So it, uh, it was just the, the perfect scenario for us. And the first bit of luck you had was the qualifying format changing because you wouldn't have made the fast nine last year. So that's a, a huge factor in it. Yeah, we probably would have not done some of the things that we did, I think, otherwise. But yeah, you, you, you're right. You know, it's it's easy to, to mess it up. And, and um, you know, we saw it plenty of times. You know, I was I was impressed with Sato, man. Like the guy hits the wall, continues on. <laughs> right? Like I'm like, that was some grit. And that was uh, that was cool to see. I think, you know, the new format for a lot of people was, you know, it was, uh, it was pretty exciting in a lot of cases. What about the, I guess the start to the season hasn't been what you've wanted. You've, you know, you've spoken about, you know, some of the challenges and, and 
you know, the tribulations that the nine cars face so far this season. Does it feel like having a strong Indy is going to turn that around for you? It's a potential turning point in the season because I remember last season, your like average finishing position at the end of the year was basically almost exactly the same as Alex's. But obviously the big difference was the double points at the at the 500. So does it feel like this is a, you know, a big turning point for you? Uh I don't know. It, it will be if it happens. Um, you know, it, you can't, you hope it is. I guess that's always the thing. You know, you hope that the next race is the turning point in the season that you need. Um, we just did some some stuff that we should never have done at, you know, Long Beach, wrong parts were on the car, same at Barber. Um, and now these days, if you miss by a couple of tenths, you're not, a, you're not moving on, you know. And, and uh, then Indy Road Course, again, we just got ourselves into a spiral where we should have just stayed with what we had you know every session it was a completely different car and you know considering the amount of time and laps that you get it's just you can't do that these days so um i think we learn a lot through that through those few races uh of what we shouldn't do um but it doesn't guarantee you anything man you know we'll keep working hard it, it just shows you you know uh the synergy and and you know i think the 10 car right now they have a great group of people that are very constant the nine car is there's a lot of people moving around from other programs at the moment so it's it's not the synergy and and everybody working together is not as it should be so that's a bit of a frustrating moment uh, or point that we have right uh, right now but um you know we'll, we'll definitely get it right and we'll find we'll find where we need to be you mentioned the polls um and and obviously some of the races that haven't gone your way and jr and i were recording earlier and we're talking you know jr said you know we could be sat here talking about scott dixon being a you know four five six time indy 500 champion and obviously things haven't gone your way but do you feel like you've reached a point in your career now where you've kind of accepted that you have to sort of take what's in your control you know that's the only thing you can do is actually have control over what you're doing and everything else has to come together and if it doesn't then you know that's just the way the way things are kind of thing yeah this place especially it owes me nothing man like i i feel privileged to be here i love being here and especially with the team that that i'm here uh you know every year with so you know for me um Again, you just got to keep knocking on that door and hopefully it will open. You know, it's there's some people that, you know, look at Michael Andretti, you know, probably should have won the, the race four times as well. Um, you talk to AJ, he thinks he probably should have won it 10 times, you know. So it, 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 it's just one of those things where I am very lucky that, you know, I'm on a short list of less than 70 people that have, you know, been able to achieve that. Um, I That's the problem is when you get the taste of it and when you've been in that situation, you just want it that much more. And uh, unfortunately for me, it's been, I don't know, about 15 years or, or something like that. So it's, it's been a long time. So, um, yeah, you know, you, you all, for me, I've the desire and the want just gets more, um, which hopefully it doesn't make you, you know, make bad decisions. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you a little bit about, you've, you've been through this at an even sort of more elevated level based on your qualifying that, than I have, but I found it interesting that, once you get the extra boost, sometimes the difference between 230 and 232 and a half or 233 is, is like if you weren't looking at the number showing up on the dash, which a lot of times I can say for me, like I'm not, you're just driving the car and you're getting through the run. It, it's more in the field. The, the change between those things is more in the feel of the car. Can you maybe, can you explain to the listeners a little bit about what that's like as you go from a run on Saturday that's, 231 and a half or two you know kind of right on the borderline of 232 but tough in tough conditions to 234 seemingly in a much easier kind of environment you know it seems like that should feel like a big gap and then maybe projecting a little bit like Ari's number is now it's not it's not that far away it's made me wonder like would you even I mean would it feel that much faster to be going 237 what do you think 
Uh, the first part, no, I don't think it would. You know, like even going from, uh, you, you know, you do feel the race run from, you know, like a 220 to a to a 230, no doubt. You you feel the load of the car and, and just the speed of it for sure. Uh, kind of in the qual run, like it's, it's they're fairly complicated these days, right? Like, you know, you, you've got to compress the jacket, you've got to make adjustments, you've got roll bars, you've got all the sequence that you go through. And if you get one out of sync, man, it, it, it it's tough to recover. Um, at least it, it takes, you know, a few corners to, to get back to it. So I think a lot of the time you're focusing so much on that that you miss some of, you know, kind of like the, you know, the early, well, the mid 2000s to early teens, you know, you, you really just didn't have much to adjust, you know, you would feel it right away. But you do, you know, once you get into the corner and you feel the car take a set, you kind of watch the lights. A lot of, for I think most of the drivers, it's it's, it's watching the lights. You know, do you need to downshift? Oh, no, it's actually going to hold through one, two. Yeah, all right, I can run six the all gear. the way down you the back. You know what you're geared for. Exactly. You, like, know, you know that if you're going to be single speeding sticks that you're about to throw down a big number. You know? I knew immediately yeah. <laughs> when I uh, started my, my first green or first timed lap uh, on the last run was going to be big because you know shifted to top and you just feel it pull and you're like yep <laughs> this is gonna be good <laughs> so even with the heat soak and all of that you know i think honestly we we probably could have been a lot more aggressive on that last run but we just made sure that we we're in a, in a in a zone to you know get the the teammates that we needed to yeah cool um i guess the the final question from my perspective is we're now looking forward to the race you guys have looked all together objectively very strong um, you guys rolling in off the back of this huge qualifying performance. What does that do for your confidence? How do you feel about running with your teammates? You're going to have a lot of them up there with you at the front. It, this is not typically a race where working as a team really is something that you do, but you guys are in a position where you could have, you've, you've already got four out of the top six cars up there. I mean, does that play into your thinking about this at all? And what does that just say about the strength of this program? Well, a lot of t a lot of the times you don't have that option, right? Like it's it's very rarely that you know. Uh, well, I've never I've been in the sport now for twenty. Well, this is my twentieth uh, time here at, at the speedway, and I've never been in a situation of working with you know more than one other car. Yeah, right. You, um, I can recall you and Dario. Yep. At times, the two of you guys up front, you know, doing a little bit of back and forth to not let a third car get into the mix or something like that. But like you said, it's it's rare it's super rare you know i don't think you see too many teams ever on that in in that situation which you know for chip it's that's fantastic you know <laughs> it, it helps his odds a lot um but yeah I, I don't know you know we i think everybody's pretty confident i think um the more you've been here you understand that it still doesn't mean much you know like anything go wrong you know look at i think our car was was the last two years probably has been the fastest car and the best car and, and position wise we've been you know generally pretty good and, and you know last year try to extend the window being a little greedy wipes us out in the first run we go two laps down because we ran the car out of fuel you know and, and all that effort and hard work can be taken away I was I was bummed that it happened in the first stop I'm like oh my god this this was <laughs> this is uh, short lived um, so yeah I think that's probably like I th I don't know at least. It, speaking from my experience uh, there's always doubt and having lost it so many times or thought you're in the running and you know something changes or strategy shifts and then it you know it goes away um yeah unfortunately that's what you think about the most is is the near misses and and the ones that hurt the most uh that kind of cloud i think these situations of when you should be feeling great and it's going to be good and it's going to be easy <laughs> so i don't know we'll we'll see you know i think that's always you need to have a fast car you need to have a perfect day these days and you need some lady luck 
Scott, thanks so much for making the time and letting us into the Ganassi truck to come and record with you. One final question. What are you, what will be the first thing you do if you win on Sunday? Oh, um, probably kiss my wife. Um, uh, I don't know. You That's know, the right answer. Uh, hug the kids, you know, but <laughs> honestly, drink the milk, man. That's it. What kind of milk have you ordered? Uh, I don't know. Hopefully, mine comes with beer or something. But uh, <laughs> Dude, no, I, I was think like, when, I, when we were sponsored by Fuzzies, I was like, we're making white Russians. Yeah, like, there, you right there you go. There you go. Used to be one. able to pick like chocolate, <laughs> strawberry, but now it's. Uh, I think you get full fat, two percent, and yeah. skim. I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Chocolate would be good. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks very much for joining us, and we wish you all the best for the that race. Awesome. As well. Thank you, guys. Cheers. The Athletic.